Welcome to Barely Audible Whisper, a weekly NPR parody podcast in no way associated with NPR, brought to you in no part by the following parody sponsors. Amy Klobuchar's presidential campaign. It's like the little engine that could, if by could you mean coming forth. The Bernie Sanders Fidel Castro foot shooting pistol. Step on your own message by shooting yourself in the foot, because foot metaphors are confusing. And Andrew Yang, the most qualified unqualified rich guy, who somehow lost out to the even less qualified unqualified rich guys. I am Dave. And I am Molly. And our voices are as soft as the Democratic primary is a giant cluster fucking mess. Our top story this week... Even as World Health Organization and CDC officials are warning that the current global outbreak of coronavirus is likely to become a pandemic, President Trump insists, without evidence, that warmer weather will somehow solve the problem. As always, our Trump impersonator is a woman, because we hear he hates that. The coronavirus will go away all by itself when the weather gets warmer because every corona commercial tells us that corona is the most fun during good beach weather. To make matters worse, the Trump administration fired our government's entire pandemic response team in 2018. Uh, why do we need a pandemic response team when everybody knows that diseases go away all by themselves when the weather gets warmer? Worse still is the fact that last week the Trump administration, over the objections of the CDC, put 14 Americans infected with the coronavirus on an airplane with other healthy people. Uh, For your convenience, our food and beverage service has been replaced with the distribution of medical masks and antibacterial soap. The captain has turned off the fasten seatbelt sign. Thank you, ma'am. So please feel free to wash your hands excessively and pray to your God for mercy. Worse still is the fact that the Trump administration leaked reports that President Trump was upset about and never briefed on the decision to put the infected people on the airplane. Let's tell people that I had no idea that my administration put people with Mexican beer virus on the airplane, which means I can't be blamed for a Tecate virus outbreak. But Mr. President, if we deny that you were involved in the decision, it would be a tacit admission that the President of the United States is uninvolved in the decision-making process of our government's response to a global crisis. Fake news! I don't always make decisions, but when I do, I prefer Dos Equis virus decisions because I am the most interesting president in the world. Worse still is the fact that Ken Cuccinelli, the deputy director of the Department of Homeland Security, tasked with managing the government's response to the coronavirus, actually tweeted the following, and this is a verbatim quote. Has Johns Hopkins' map of coronavirus stopped working for other people, or just me? Which means the thought process of the Trump administration official charged with heading up America's response to the coronavirus was essentially... Why would I bother to access the extensive research and planning of the CDC, the World Health Organization, and infectious disease experts when I can simply look at a publicly available online map? Oh no! The online map stopped working! I only have unlimited access to the unlimited resources of the Department of Homeland Security! What should I do? 
I know, I'll ask Twitter! I hire the best people. According to comments I got from random Trump supporters who follow my Twitter account, the coronavirus was invented by Obama as part of a George Soros-funded conspiracy to discredit Trump and promote round-earth pro-vaccination propaganda. Hmm. Problem solved! The Trump administration would likely have continued to ignore the global spread of the deadly virus. Has the Wikipedia coronavirus page stopped working for everybody? Or just me? But then the stock market crashed due to the market's concern over the coronavirus. Has E-Trade been hemorrhaging money for everybody? Or just me? Oh no, not the stock market. Thousands of people dying is one thing, but the stock market going down means I can't brag about the stock market going up. And the stock market going up is my favorite thing to brag about. In hindsight, maybe it was a bad idea to base our understanding of economic success entirely on the fleeting indicator of short-term rising stock prices. Don't say that. Don't you ever say that. Protecting people's ability to get obscenely rich without doing any work by manipulating the system is my highest priority as president. Mr. President, the truth is that we have to face the reality that- Reality and the truth are fake news. The Pacifico Lager virus is totally under control, and the Trump stock market is the highest stock market in the history of stock markets, even higher than in 1929. Mr. President, the stock market crash of 1929 led to the Great Depression. The Great Depression is a hoax, because if you're depressed, all you have to do to feel better is drink some Mexican beer. Depression isn't the same thing as economic depression. The Negro Modelo virus is totally under control because it cures depression, which makes the stock market go up, which means I can brag about the stock market going up, and a high stock market and Corona commercial beach weather are the cure to all diseases. Has American democracy stopped working for everybody? Or just me? In a disappointingly boring interview with Medium.com, Lieutenant General David Thompson admitted that Space Force is not actually new, intergalactic, or committed to space exploration, but is in reality just a restructuring of the Air Force's existing responsibilities regarding satellites, rockets, and other space-related technologies. General Thompson went on to explain that the Space Force is basically an extension of the Cold War-era space race that emphasized... Michael Bloomberg could get it done. Oh my god, our Space Force segment is being taken over by a Michael Bloomberg campaign ad. Michael Bloomberg is a problem solver as long as those problems are in no way related to racism, sexism, or income inequality. Our podcast is being overrun by a sentient but unfeeling being who has too much money to be stopped. If only there was a sort of space force that could protect us from this type of human-like alien invasion. Like I said in my interview with Medium.com, Space Force is not an intergalactic, alien-fighting, military unit in the style of some sci-fi adventure. We're just a bunch of engineers in charge of monitoring satellite communication. In an effort to defeat President Trump, I will hijack the effort to defeat President Trump and force the party committed to ending the stranglehold on power enjoyed by billionaires 
to contemplate replacing an incompetent fake billionaire president with an actual billionaire. <laughs> this seems like the perfect scenario for the heroic intervention of the newly formed Space Force. Do something. Okay. I've pinpointed the satellite he's using to broadcast his signal onto your podcast. Great, now what? Now nothing. That's, that's what we do. I am not very good, but Donald Trump is terrible, and relative to terrible, not very good, is actually very good. Can't you shoot him with a death ray or something? No, we just monitor satellite communications. But you're Space Force. Space Force! That's just a marketing tool Trump came up with to try and make it seem like he was doing something cool. You just spoke four lines of dialogue without mentioning me. That is unacceptable. What am I, chicken livers? Must spend more money. I thought Space Force was stupid because I thought the idea of an alien invasion was stupid, but now that the Democratic Party is being invaded by a sentient but unfeeling human-like being, you're telling me that Space Force doesn't even fight aliens. Michael Bloomberg isn't an alien. He's just a rich douche. If Bloomberg isn't an alien, then what's the source of his seemingly unstoppable power? Money. My advertisements are everywhere. You're powerless to stop them. Can anything save us from Michael Bloomberg? I've got a plan for that. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Warren? Warren. I've got a plan to get the corrupting influence of money out of politics and create an economy that doesn't just work for the millionaires and billionaires, but works for everybody. We're, We're saved! I've got a plan for that, because I've got a plan for everything, except winning the nomination. We're screwed! I've been leading the fight to get money out of politics since money and politics were both invented at the dawn of civilization, which, in my view, doesn't prove I'm old, it proves I'm consistent. We're saved! But before I talk about my popular plans that help people, I want to scare middle America with a long, academic, and nuanced discussion about how Fidel Castro actually did some very good things. We're screwed! Speaking of screwed, I once told a woman who worked for me that I'd do her in a second, which is bad. But grab them by the pussy is worse, and relative to the worst, bad is actually comparatively good. So, in conclusion, Space Force is just a division of the Air Force that monitors satellite communications. Which sucks because a Democratic primary is being invaded by an unfeeling human-like being. When you repeat a bad idea over and over again in television commercials, eventually people start to think it might be a good idea. I'm Michael Bloomberg and I approved all of these television messages because my campaign is the political equivalent of a car title loan. Cash back, got your money, your money, your real money. Ah!
Three years into his presidency, Donald Trump seemed to finally realize the need for an official visit to one of our allies that actually goes well. Sure, he's able to have friendly visits with mutual public shows of respect with brutal dictators, but when it comes to democratically elected public servants, he tends to make an ass of himself. But he may have found the perfect match in Narendra Modi, India's Prime Minister. To give us a summary of who Modi is as a leader is summary expert Summer Rhee. Modi is a leader and lifetime politician of the BJP party, which is the dominant conservative party in India. He is also a member of the Hindu nationalist militia RSS, which believes in forming a Hindu nation, not the secular state envisioned by Gandhi. He served as the chief minister of the state of Gujarat for 13 years before becoming the prime minister. He has a concerning history regarding human rights, particularly when it comes to Muslims, migrants, and homosexuals. Because these beliefs don't bother much of the Hindu-majority population, he is very popular, despite a pattern of violent protest under his leadership. With a shorter version is another summary expert, Summer's brother, S.M. Rhee. Modi is basically a popular yet controversial leader who had concerning connections to racism and homophobia and is democratically elected and operates within the rule of law, although his policies show a suspect regard for human rights. With an even shorter version is the expert simply known as Smri. He's everything Trump wishes he could be. Trump and Modi exchanged extravagant visits to profoundly display the leader's friendship. Trump's visit this past week featured a rally called Namaste Trump. Namaste is a deep form of respect. It is a greeting and a gesture that comes from the heart chakra. And in our country, it literally means, I bow to you. Or in your country, it means, I'm a white person who takes yoga. Modi's visit to Houston, Texas last September featured a rally called Howdy Modi. Howdy is an American greeting that's short for how do you do, but shorter so you know we're not actually interested in hearing how you're doing. So it's basically the same thing as namaste. (laughs) Modi's speech at Howdy Modi featured a heavy dose of race-baiting and fear-mongering toward Muslims, which of course was raucously cheered. Trump was also raucously cheered in India, yet his speech managed to avoid controversy. It's interesting, to say the least, that Modi felt more comfortable spewing racism in Texas than Trump did in India. With more on how Namaste Trump went is Barely Audible Whisper's South Asia correspondent, Josh Rogan. Hi, I'm Josh Rogan. And to anyone wondering why I don't have a silly joke name, it turns out in India my name is hilarious, as Rogan Josh is a popular lamb dish. Trump's speech to the Indian people was, by his standards, a decently eloquent speech. My friend, Prime Minister Modi, is very strong and great. As always, our Trump impersonator is still a woman, because we hear he still hates that. Our partnership is stronger than ever, and his beard tickles when he hugs me. (laughs) We do not have a trade deal yet, because this guy is a really great and strong negotiator. But I promise you that a vague something will happen later this year, after the election. It is worth pointing out that calling Modi strong and great in the middle of violent protests against Modi's anti-Muslim policies sort of counts as taking an anti-Muslim stance. Now, while Trump's avoiding saying anything overtly anti-Muslim was a surprise, he did have the predictable inability to pronounce Hindi names and words. 
Namuste. You come here in Ambambad to watch the great cricket players Suchin Tendulkar and Virat Kohli. I'd like to quote the great religious teacher Swami Vive Kamunund. <laughs> okay, those mispronunciations probably didn't translate. For all you know, that was correct. Let's bar them up a bit. Namaste, you come here to Oh My Bad to watch the great cricket players Chicken Tender Kerr and Viral Cola. I'd like to quote the great religious teacher Swimming Vivica Fox. Better. Maybe if we imagined Modi doing the same thing in reverse on his trip to Houston. Uh, how be? You come here in Houston to watch the great football players Puptrick Mahoomies and Tam Bradgy. I'd like to quote the great religious teacher, Reverend Joel Austin Stanstein. Now for fun, let's bar that up a bit. Hound Dog, you come here in House Town to watch the great floatball players Pantsbrick, Sherlock Holmes, and Trambordy. I'd like to quote the great religious teacher, Revenant Jolene Ostrichberger. Speaking of beef substitutes, dining was a challenge on this trip for the president, whose diet consists almost entirely of dead, sacred cows. An elaborate vegetarian feast was prepared with traditional Indian dishes modified to suit a picky American's palate. Neither the president or the first lady touched a single bite. Ew, uh, that looks like a fried thing. What's in it? This is a samosa, and just for you, we filled it with broccoli and corn. Ew, no! That is not a samosa! That probably also doesn't translate. It'd be like if Modi did this. Oh, that looks like a vegetarian option. What is it? It's a pizza, but I've used goat cheese and topped it with traditional Indian ingredients like curry sauce, ginger, peas, and potatoes. That's not a goddamn pizza! It's hard to tell who was more insulted. Trump, that they wouldn't sacrifice a sacred cow for his meals. The chef, that Trump wouldn't eat anything from his thoughtfully constructed menu. Or the citizens, to see their cuisine so bastardized. But all in all, this was an optically successful trip, by Trump standards. He finally has an ally he can freely visit and be welcomed. He just can't stay long because apparently he'd rather starve than eat a vegetable. Hollywood producer and serial rapist Harvey Weinstein kind of sort of received justice when he was found guilty on the two less serious of the five charges of rape and sexual misconduct he was facing. While the lesser rape and sexual misconduct charges Weinstein was convicted of are significant, the fact that Weinstein, a sexual predator in the first degree, was acquitted of being a sexual predator in the first degree begs the question, what does it take to be considered a sexual predator in the first degree? Less money. Barely Audible Whisper assembled a panel of experts who embarked on a comprehensive study of legal precedent, case law, and the American justice system. 
after exhaustive investigation, our experts concluded that Weinstein cannot be considered a sexual predator in the first degree on the legal basis that he has lots of money. We are privileged to be joined by one such expert who will explain in granular detail the findings of his exhaustive study. It's better to have lots of money. Well, that was almost as anticlimactic as Weinstein's conviction. And speaking of anticlimactic, Weinstein was ordered to be sent immediately to New York's infamous Rikers Island prison, but was rerouted to the hospital when he complained about chest pains on the way to the prison. Harvey Weinstein, you are hereby ordered to be held at Rikers Island until you are sentenced. But I can't go to prison. It's bad for my vague medical condition, known as all of a sudden needs a walkeritis. There's no cure for it because I made it up. Take him away! You can't put handcuffs on me because I need a walker. Let's go. But walking without my walker is bad for my all of a sudden needs a walkeritis. You're walking fine without it. I knew I should have pretended to be blind like Bill Cosby. Just get in the back of the squad car. No, because I also suffer from can't get in the back of the squad car-itis. Take him away. Excuse me? Excuse me? Lowly public servant who I could buy and sell a hundred times over. I'm very uncomfortable back here. All of my itises are acting up. Don't care. You can't take me to prison. I'm severely allergic to prison. You should have thought of that before you... My heart! My heart! I'm having pains in my heart. You're grabbing your genitals. Isn't that where the heart is? Yeah, you're pathetic. Think, Weinstein, think. They produced a movie once where the lead actress had a heart attack, and she grabbed her chest, which I assumed was a gratuitous boob thing. But maybe chest is where the heart is located in people who have hearts. I'm having chest pains? Mm, I'm not buying it. What if I'm really having a heart attack and I die because you refuse to take me to the hospital? Do you really want to be known as the cop who killed Harvey Weinstein? Yeah, kind of. Think about Jeffrey Epstein. The cops that let Epstein die will be scrutinized and investigated for the rest of their lives. I'm basically Jeffrey Epstein with a couple of Oscars. Damn it. I'll take you to the hospital. It's better to have lots of money. I'm gonna throw up. Last week, a staffer for the Director of National Intelligence informed the House Intelligence Committee that it was the unanimous conclusion of every U.S. intelligence agency that the Russian Federation was actively interfering in America's 2020 presidential campaign on behalf of President Trump. Upon learning that the Director of National Intelligence had credible information that Russia was actively attacking our democracy, President Trump took the bold and decisive action to address this grave national crisis by firing the guy who told him about the crisis. 
barely audible whisper obtained audio of the Oval Office briefing where Trump fired the Director of National Intelligence for the offense of reporting on national intelligence. And for a third time, our Trump impersonator is a woman because of the rule of threes. Mr. President, I'm afraid I have some bad news. Fake news! All bad news is fake bad news because I hate bad news. You have to hear this, Mr. President, and it's an urgent matter of national security. Uh, why haven't you been fired yet? Sorry, Mr. President. I should have fired her as soon as she said the words bad news, because I know you hate bad news almost as much as you hate having to actually fire people yourself. I don't like to get my enormous hands dirty. Mr. President, our democracy is under attack. <clears throat> oh, right. Uh, you're fired. Yay! I love firing people almost as much as I hate actually firing them myself. Mr. President, Russia is actively interfering in the 2020 election. As part of an ongoing effort to help ensure your re-election. That's great news. Unfire this woman. Congratulations, you're hired again. Yay! Putin loves me. No, Mr. President, Putin is using Fake you news. to manipulate American foreign policy to his advantage. Oh, right. You're fired again. You can't ignore this, Mr. President. I have the absolute right to ignore whatever I want. It says so here in Article 2 of the Constitution. No, it doesn't. It does, if I ignore the fact it doesn't. Excellent point, Mr. President. Of course it was. But while you do have the absolute right to ignore bad news, you don't have to ignore this news because this news is good news. I know that. I'm not a baby. Putin is helping me cheat, which is double good news because I love cheating and I love Putin. Mr. President, the Director of National Intelligence briefed the House Intelligence Committee. That's terrible news. If the good news gets into the news, then the good news will become bad news. Because the fake news will report the good news as bad news. Mr. President, we are duty-bound to protect the integrity of our elections. Um. Oh, right. Uh, you're still fired, I guess. Mr. President, this situation must be boldly and immediately addressed. I know that. I am not a baby. Nobody is the most boldest situation addresser than Trump. I will most boldest address the situation most boldiester than any most boldiest situation addresser in history. Uh, what was the situation again? Our democracy is under direct threat from the Russian Federation. Don't care. Who are actively interfering in the upcoming election on your behalf. Yay! I love Putin! Which is why the Director of National Intelligence briefed the House Intelligence Committee. The real threat to our democracy is the fact that the threat to our democracy was leaked. Which means the only reasonable solution to protect the threat to our democracy from the real threat to our democracy, which is people knowing about the threat to our democracy, is to fire the guy who threatened our democracy by telling people about the threat to our democracy. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. You're fired. You don't get to quote Bowie. Nancy Messonnier, 
the director of the CDC's National Center for Immunization and Respiratory Disease, warned this week that it is not a matter of if, but when, the coronavirus will hit the United States. Ms. Messonier advised employers, schools, and families to begin discussing plans for what to do in the very possible circumstance that a coronavirus outbreak necessitates a quarantine. For a deeper look at quarantine preparation, Barely Audible Whisper turns to our former laid-back lifestyle correspondent, Margot Rita-Ville, who became our quarantine correspondent when she was doing a segment about a cruise ship in China. Laid-back lifestyle correspondent, Margot Rita-Ville here, reporting from the small windowless room where I've been forced to spend 23 hours a day for three weeks. By the third day of quarantine, my attitude shifted from laid-back to passive-aggressive. Hey, babe. Looks like we're stuck in our room all alone again, but uh, don't worry. <laughs> I thought of something fun we can do to pass the time. Really? Again? I mean, I don't know, dear. I'm just so worn out from all of the perfectly adequate lovemaking we did yesterday and the day before. (laughs) Is everything okay? Everything's fine. After all, we took this trip to be closer to each other, and you can't get any closer than spending 23 hours a day in the same 8x12 room. By the fifth day, I was openly hostile. Hey, babe. Have you seen my blue shirt? I don't know. It's either in the goddamn drawer with the other goddamn shirts, or it's in the goddamn pile of shit you've got shrinking our already limited floor space. Not that it matters which goddamn shirt you wear while you're stuck in this goddamn room with me. Is something bothering you? Of course something's bothering me. It bothers me that I gave up a promising career as a travel writer to do bullshit cruise segments for a goddamn podcast with three listeners so I can marry a goddamn idiot who can't find a goddamn article of clothing in a goddamn room with an 8x12 goddamn surface area. On the sixth day, I murdered my husband. Quit breathing so much, you son of a bitch! Hey, babe, what are you doing? Shh! Oh. Shh! A little rough play. Stop. Okay. Oh. Babe. Shh! Stop. No. Yes. (laughs) Luckily, the cruise line is helping me cover up the murder to avoid bad publicity. We're going to report your husband as a missing person. Losing a passenger isn't great PR, but it sure beats driving a passenger slowly mad until she murders her husband in a blind rage. And, in exchange for not suing us, we're going to give you a free trip on one of our singles cruises, which you can use now. I'm telling you this so that in the event of a mandatory quarantine, you can learn from my mistakes. Oh, what's that, dear? I'll be there in a minute! I'm just finishing up the podcast work that I find so satisfying. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. That was my husband who I didn't kill, who I love very much, definitely didn't murder. Anyway, as I'm perfectly in touch with reality, you should take my advice before you and your loved ones are quarantined in a small cramped space that just keeps getting smaller and smaller until you feel like you can't breathe. Maybe have a conversation that addresses some of your pet peeves before they become all-consuming obsessions! Uh, hey honey, I heard a 
on a podcast that it might be helpful in the event of a coronavirus quarantine to discuss our pet peeves in advance so that they don't slowly drive us insane and ultimately lead to a murderous rage. So, you want to have a conversation that's almost guaranteed to lead to a fight so that whatever we fight about now doesn't cause us to murder each other later. Because a podcast with three listeners told you it was a good idea? Yes. For example, it annoys me when you mischaracterize what I just said in that condescending tone. I know, it may feel uncomfortable at first. What's that, dear? Well, yes, I found your favorite blue shirt. But trust me, it's better to get it out in the open now than let it build up inside you and explode under quarantine conditions. So you want me to wear a mask in my own home because a Facebook post told you it was a good idea? You condescending bastard. Oh, 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 no. Oh, And if you have children... Mommy, what's a quarantine? Mommy, why can't I go outside and play? Look at me, Mommy. Mommy, look at me! Why aren't you looking at me, Mommy? Sedate them. I feel drowsy, Mommy. Honest and open communication between spouses and sedatives for children. I'm coming, dear! I can't wait for your perfectly adequate lovemaking. Are the keys to keeping your indefinite time under quarantine a mildly unpleasant inconvenience that doesn't build you into a murderous rage? Yes, I'm having another goddamn beer. I've been stuck in this goddamn house tiptoeing around your goddamn oversensitivity for five goddamn days and all I've asked for is another goddamn beer. So yes, goddammit, I'm gonna have another goddamn beer. Goddammit, we're out of beer! Audible whisper. I'm Margot Ritaville, Redback Cruise correspondent turned quarantine correspondent, saying, Out, damn spot! Thank you for listening to Barely Audible Whisper, made possible by the following people writer, co host, and producer Dave Baldwin, co host and actress Molly Brown, writer and actor Daniel Carter Brown, actors Tommy Strack, Corey Burns, and Allie Glonick. Please follow us on the social media, check out our YouTube stuff, and subscribe to us where you subscribe to your stuff. We appreciate your support. Cause of death is strangulation by punching.